comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry in Kumasi, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 32. Luke 14, I'll read from the contemporary English version. And then we will also pick uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 24. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. How many of you want to build a tower? Uh-huh. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What is the first thing you would do? Wouldn't you sit down and figure out how much it will cost? And if you have enough money for, to pay for it. Verse 2, 29. Otherwise, you will start building the tower, but not be able to finish. May you finish everything you start. Amen. Anything you have started, anything you, have, you are yet to start, may the grace of God be upon you to finish. Amen. A relationship started shall end well. Amen. A business started shall end well. Amen. Contract started shall end well. He says, some people start, but they don't finish. You will not be part of those people. Amen. You won't start building your house and along the line, you will die and they say, ah, he couldn't finish. No. The Bible says, we shall not build and another inhabit. Amen. Praise God. I pray that that will be your experience. Amen. He says, but not be able to finish. Then everyone who sees what is happening will laugh at you. You will not be mocked at. Amen. May men not mock at you. Amen. May nobody has, have a reason to mock at your God. Amen. Then he says, they will say you started building but could not finish the job. What will a king do if he has only 10,000 soldiers to defend himself against a king who is about to attack him with 20,000 soldiers? Before he goes out to battle, won't he first sit down and decide if he can win. Somebody say he will sit down and do what? He will sit down and do what? Decide whether he can win. Verse 32. And if he thinks he won't be able to defend himself, he will send messengers and ask for peace while the other king is still a long way off. Amen. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Okay. Luke 14, the same place. The same place, but this time it's the Amplified Version. He said, what king, or what king, going to engage in conflict with another king, will not first sit down and consider and take counsel. Now take note of some words that have been introduced. He said he will sit down, he will take counsel, he will consider, and he will take counsel. The other one says, he will not sit down and decide. He says he will sit down, take counsel, whether he's able to, with 10,000 men, to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. 32. And if he cannot do so, when the other can still a great way off, he sends an envoy and say, ask terms of peace. 
Okay. Come with me to Luke chapter 15. I like preaching from here. And I, when Minister Ope was uh, given the announcement, I knew that he, was, he had prayed this morning. Praise God. Yeah, there's a way when your MC has prayed, you will know. There are certain scriptures, when they pick it, you know that they will not have picked it by accident. Praise God. Now, I like preaching from here. I've done a series of messages from here. And every time when I meditate upon it, God begins to speak to me from here. I remember I did a teaching on the search for a good life from here. I did another teaching when we were opening Kwamo Church also from here. And this morning, I still want to teach from here. I'm sure maybe later in the course of a year, as God gives me grace, I may come back to it and teach you something more from here. Now, he said, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Let's start from verse number one. And then we'll come to verse one and two, and then we'll come to verse 11. Then all the task collectors and the sinners drew now to him to hear him. And the Pharisees, somebody say the Pharisees. Scribes complain, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Amen. In this particular chapter of Luke, three parables were given. Jesus gave three parables. And the, the reason for the parable can be gotten from the very two verses that we've just read. Sinners were coming to him from the left, right, and center. And then the Bible says that the scribes and the Pharisees started complaining and say, Ah, oh, this man, see him. He receives sinners and then he hangs out with people who are not correct. And Jesus gave a parable. Go to verse number three, the first parable. And he spoke this parable to them, saying, What of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Okay. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7. He says, I said to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Okay. That's the second parable. Or... Did you see that all? Uh -huh. So the first parable, he talks about a shepherd who has lost a sheep and goes after the sheep. In the second parable, he talks about a, a woman who has lost something valuable. Says he light, she lights a candle and searches the house carefully. Go on, verse number nine. He says, and when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I found the peace which I lost. Verse number 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh -huh. Then he said, so three parables in one. One, a shepherd. Two, a woman who has lost something. And then the third one, and this parable also happens to be one of the, if not the longest parable Jesus gave. Of all the parables, he gave many parables. The longest parable he gave is this particular one we are about to read. Praise God. The cultural setting of the parable, which I hope to come back to someday, will bless your life. When you begin to understand how the people Jesus spoke to understood the parable and what they expected Jesus to do and what Jesus did, 
you'll be amazed. He said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. Somebody say two sons. Okay, two sons, verse number two. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Now, you must understand that he was speaking to a Jewish audience. And among the Jews, a child and the lastborn for that matter had no right to demand for an inheritance. In fact, as a lastborn child, you did not even have an inheritance. You, you were given, the whole inheritance was given to the firstborn son. The right hand, the, the firstborn son had the birthright, what they used to call the birthright. You remember Isaac and Jacob. When Jacob sold the, Isaac sold, uh, Esau sold his birthright, later on was crying and crying and crying, but he couldn't get it. That's how it was done. So, as a young child, going to the father and asking for inheritance was unheard of. But he went anyway. Praise God. He went to the father and said, you know, I've been thinking for some time. I know that sooner or later you will die. But to wait for you to die may be too long. I don't know when you are. All these your medical checkups, <laughs> they are too on point. I'm not too sure you'll die soon. So, in order for no confusion to set in. Now, divide your inheritance. Give me my portion, and then I'll be sorted out. Praise God. This was a well thought out thing. He went to tell his father. Then the father said, and not, go to uh, verse 12, please. Verse 12. And the younger of them said to them, give me. And the, so the father divided to them his livelihood. The decision to divide the livelihood too was another thing because, you see, if the child was wrong, the father should be right. Shouldn't it be? But the father did it. 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. I want you to follow it one step after the other because I, I will basically be staying here. I'll give you some core points. And then I'll round it up from here. Everything I'm going to say will come from here. And not many days after he gathered all that he had. And then journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. When he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly would have filled his stomach with pot that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, Now, when you, if you are following what we have read so far, you realize that it's a very sad story developing. One, you are in your father's house, everything you, you want and wish for. And looking at the father, the father was a very wealthy man. Because at the latter part of the story, you see that the man was very wealthy. He had hired servants. To have a hired servant in those days meant you were rich. Praise God. He had a fatted calf. A calf that had been well nurtured. The man was not broke at all. May you not be broke. So this man was well loaded, blessed. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise. Somebody say, I will arise. 
and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Just uh, telling the father everything that he has started with. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best. Somebody say the best. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's best awaits you today. Say, God's best awaits you today. Say, bring out the best rope and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Verse 23. And bring the fatted calf. Can you see that? Fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Why? He says, for this my son. See how he addresses him. When he was coming, he was not coming for a sonship a relationship. He was coming for servant-master relationship. But the father said, this my son was dead, but now alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to teach on the power of your decisions. Understanding 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 the power of your decisions. Several lessons can be gleaned from the story that we've just read. Amazing story. But amongst the many lessons that can be drawn, we want to focus and zero in on the power of decisions. When you look at the story of this young man closely, you realize that everything that happened in his life was a product of a decision. I want you to appreciate that decisions are very, very powerful. Tend to your neighbors, decisions are very, very powerful. Decisions are powerful. In fact, I believe that good and wise decisions are as powerful, if not more, than prayers. The Bible said God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly about that which you can ask or think. Good and wise decisions sometimes can take people further than prayer can take them. If you are a very prayerful person, but you constantly make foolish decisions, you won't go far in life. Praise God. That's why you need to understand the place of decisions. Know how to make good decisions and then make it boldly without shame or reservation. Look at this. Decisions are too powerful. Decisions can decide, can let you live a good life or a bad life. Your decisions... Your decisions can determine whether you enjoy a marriage or not. Your decisions can decide whether you'll be blessed or not. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy 28 verse 1, he said, If thou shalt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and observe to do according to all that is written therein, then the Lord thy God shall set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and said, All these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. One decision to honor God and to obey him can bring you into a realm of unlimited blessings. I pray that beginning from today, God will influence your decisions. Any foolish decision you have made in the time past, any bad decision you have made in the time past, may God, who is able to change things in your favor, change them in your favor. And as long as you live, 
May the Holy Spirit guide you never to make another bad mistake. Give me a believing amen here. Decisions can bring you open doors. Decisions can also lead you into closed doors. There are people who have lost amazing opportunities because they made a wrong decision. Decisions must never be joked with. Decisions can make you lose your inheritance. One day, Esau looked at his brother and he made the decision that was coming from his stomach and not his head. He said, I am hungry. Give me food to eat. Jacob said, give me your birthright. He said, my birthright, you can have it. What I'm concerned about is food to eat. Let us eat for tomorrow we die. When he finished eating, he realized that tomorrow he was still alive. And when he woke up the next day and saw himself alive, he knew that the birthright was what he needed. But at that time, it was too late. I pray that you will not sell and trade your birthright for anything. Can somebody give me a believing amen? There are people that sometimes are in the youthful state of their lives. In their quest to make money, some ladies decide that, well, 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 I don't have a father to be there for me. I don't have a mother to be there for me. I have to find a way. Man must live. So they decide to trade their bodies. And some of them go on and trade their bodies and commit one, two, three, four abortions. And sometimes after they are married, they begin to worry and fret whether or not they be able to conceive. Sometimes God's mercy comes through for them. Sometimes they live without ever having a child. Praise God. Our decisions matter a lot. Turn to your neighbor and say, your decisions matter. They matter. Your decisions matter. They matter. Whether you be a success or a failure in life is a product of your decisions. Praise God. A closer look at this prodigal son and the story reveals Two major important things. One is the fact that negative, the negative effect a series of bad or foolish decisions can have on a person's life and destiny. When you make foolish decisions, it can have negative implications on your destiny. When you make bad decisions over time, you will end up in a bad place. May you not end up in a bad place. And then it also shows us one story, but it's given us two sides. And I like it. Uh, the story will not have been a perfect story if it had just ended with when he left his father's house and then famine came, he wanted to eat the food offered to pigs and then it had ended there. No, it would not have been an interesting story at all. In fact, if it had ended there, that was where the Pharisees wanted it to end. And this morning, I see God disappointing some Pharisees for you. The Pharisees wanted, when Jesus was narrating the story, and then he went on and said, now a mighty famine arose. And the guy became so hungry that he wanted to eat food offered to pigs. They say, Ochia. See a kind. That's it. He has gotten what he deserves. <laughs> you see, when you read this parable, over the years, it has been, the interpretation has always been like, uh, the parable was given to show a father's love for a son. But that's not the, what the parable was about. Too. The parable was actually given to show those who feel they are righteous and others are unrighteous. That's what the parable is about. That's what it's about. It's more about the elder son than the younger son. That's why the actual lesson, in as, in as much as there is a lot to learn from the prodigal son's life, it was really because right from verse, verse 1, he says, and when they saw the sinners coming to him, he eating and drinking with them, they said, ah, you, 
You are supposed to be the Mizar. How come you are eating and drinking with sinners? What is wrong with you? Because the Pharisees will not eat and drink with sinners. Eating and greeting a sinner will make you a sinner. Shaking the hands of a sinner will make you a sinner. Uh, calling a sinner on the phone will make you a sinner. Re responding to a WhatsApp from a sinner will make you a sinner. So they have no interaction whatsoever with sinners. But when Jesus came, ah, Jesus was, he changed everything. Thank God for Jesus. Because for some of us, but for Jesus, we will not be here. For Jesus, we will not be here. If we are to, right now, if I'm to give you the microphone to select who looks like a Christian in this church now, it will be amazing who you choose. It will be amazing. It will be amazing who you choose. But that was not the lot of us. Praise God. All the negative experiences he went through were all product of his decisions. One after the other. And when he started, it didn't look like a very serious thing. But over time, he started, he went to his father, as simple as, give me the portion of my inheritance. It looked that simple. I mean, uh, by all means, you, you do your will, you give your inheritance. So just give it to me while I'm here and let me go. And when he took it for some time, he was still living in the father's house and it looked like nothing had happened because he was in his father's house, received his portion of his inheritance. The father was paying his utility bills. He was eating from the father's house. Everything was fine. And then he took another decision. I want to travel. Went to Japan embassy. Went to Ukraine embassy. Wherever. And then decided, he said, no. You see, I want to go to a place where the internet connectivity is not good. So that nobody can reach me. So the Bible said he decided to travel to a very far country. Far country. Far country. Very, very far country. Very far. There are seven life-changing decisions the prodigal son made. I want to walk you through briefly. Seven life-changing decisions. One, the decision to co collect his inheritance from his father while he was alive. Among the Jewish people, this was a way to, as it were, disgrace his father. When the father honored it, he had actually brought disgrace, dishonor, and shame and reproach to himself. This must be a very bad father. How can you give your inheritance to your younger child? When it is not done, he went against the norm to give his inheritance away. When he went to the father and, I mean, the audacity and the courage and the boldness to look at your father. One, you don't qualify to even receive an inheritance. And then you look at your father while he's alive and tells him, give me my portion of my inheritance that fall to me. The father gives it to him. And then, if the father had made a mistake, at least let's see, maybe this guy's mind will change. Number two, he made a second decision. To travel into a very far country. Somebody say a far country. Far country. Number three. The decision to spend all his money on righteous living. All that he had. He spent it. Spent it. Spent it. Spent it. And you see. When you have a lot of money. And you decide to go on a spending spree. You don't feel it much. But when the money begins to finish. That's when your eyes become cleared. Praise God. So, a decision as to buy this, buy that, buy that, it didn't mean much. But when all was finished, then you realize, hey, I've made the worst mistake of my life. What kind of decisions are you making today? Number four, the decision to join himself with a citizen of that country. It's not everybody we hang out with. Turn to your neighbor, it's not everybody you hang out with. 
There are some people who will never have smoke. But for some people who came into their lives, there are some people who never have visited any clubhouse. But for some people, they decided to hang out with. The Bible said he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Iron sharpened iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. The Bible said, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Am I communicating somebody today? Who is your closest friend? Who do you call your bosom friend? Number five, the decision to accept a job to feed pigs. Now, Jewish people were supposed to have nothing to do with pigs. So by the time a Jewish boy decides he's going to feed pigs, let's just say, everywhere has fallen and there is no center whatsoever. Number six, the decision to return to his father. I think this one was good, was it not? Was it a good decision? The decision to return to his father. And then number seven, the decision to become a servant in his father's house rather than perish with hunger. Was that not also a good decision? The decision to return also came with this. Inherent in this decision was a decision to come back to his father's house uh, rather than stay there and perish with hunger. You know, there are some people, eh? Sometimes they make mistakes. They made a very serious decision and it's ended them so badly. But the humility to retrace their steps is not even there. Praise God. The humility to retrace their steps is not there. Maybe there was a, some kind of a fight, some kind of misunderstanding, and unfortunately, you lifted up your hand, you slapped your wife. You have made a bad decision. Don't make it worse to say that my boy is my boy. Oh, you're crying, Messiah Bobby. So she says, I'm packing, I'm going to my mother's house. All you needed to do was, dear, I'm very sorry. I don't know what came over me, though you know what came over you. Yes, pretend you don't know what came over me. Because that's what they say all the time. Praise God. May we know what comes over us. I don't know what came over me. I just lost it. This morning, I want to walk you through 10 important truths about decisions you must never forget. I just rushed through the first because that's not where my necessity is. There are 10 important truths I want you to take note Never forget about decisions. Number one is the fact that decisions are made daily. Decisions are made what? Daily. One of the things you, you must learn and master the act of doing well is our decisions because we make decisions daily. Every day, we make decisions. A wise man said, we live. To live is to choose. And to choose is to decide. That means that every day, you will be required to make a decision. Do I go left or right? Do I pick a taxi or I pick a, a trotro? Do I walk or I visit a friend? Do I eat or I fast? It's a daily affair. Somebody say, we make decisions daily. Say it aloud. We make decisions daily. Today, you made a decision. Maybe somebody invited you to service, but you had to make a decision that you will honor the invitation and you are here. And maybe in the course of the service, who knows? God may give you another opportunity to make another decision again. Every day that you are alive, you'll be required to make decisions. Very important. Number two, decisions may be good or bad, wise or foolish. There is no neutral place. As for me, my decisions are, they are just in the middle line. It's a lie. 
Everybody is either making good decisions or bad decisions. Foolish decisions or wise decisions. And for you as a child of God, the Bible says something. He says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He said, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, King James. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, verse 16, for the days are evil. Praise God. He says, you, when you are living your life, be careful how you live it. I did a teaching last year or last two years, living as wise. Living as wise. Decisions. Decisions are critical. Number three, the quality of your life will always be defined by the quality of your decisions. Somebody say, the quality of my life. Or say it, the quality of my life will be determined and defined by the quality of my decisions. The quality of your life. How many of us want to live a rich life? You want to be rich? You want to be prosperous? Oh, lift up your hands. You don't? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to be rich. But not everybody is making a decision that will bring them wealth. The quality of your life. That's why it's important. Your quality of your life will not be determined by the, the quantum of your prayer life. It will be defined by the quality of your decision making. Praise God. There are unbelievers who don't pray, but they have a good quality of life in some areas, not in all areas. Praise God. And there are Christians who fast and pray 40 days and 40 nights. And still, there's nothing beautiful about their lives. The decisions you make daily are vital for your life. They define whether you end well or not. Whether you, you see, where you are today is a product of the quality decisions you made yesterday. And where you be tomorrow is a function of the quality decisions you are making today. A decision to have a happy home begins when you decide the day you receive proposal from two men. One is not born again, the other is born again but broke. Praise God. One is not born again but loaded, the other is born again and broke. And then you take the, the people home and they tell you, you and out of that, you decide, well, me fear from being here. So this one there, and Juma, the decision to destroy your home began there, but you didn't know it. The decision to have a wonderful family begins when you decide to choose a spouse, a wife, based on hip size instead of heart size. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. There are people, what tickles their fancy most are the hips of a woman. They don't check her head, they don't check her heart. They just look at the back there. You must have, praise God. When all is said and done, you must always know that you don't communicate with hips. Praise God. We make them every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. The quality, somebody say the quality of my life. Say the quality of my life. I mean, the more I interact with married people, the more those who are particularly happy and uh, restful in their families, the more they are thankful to God for the wife they chose. And most of the time, they have the option of choosing somebody else who look different from the one they have, who had something different from what the one they have had, and all of that 
They are always, that is always the case. Praise God. Because most of the time, what, what God sees is usually not what we see. The Bible says, my ways are not your ways. Neither are my thoughts like your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Four, a life of consistent victory, success, glory is a product of good. And wise decisions, all things vinical. A, a life of consistent victory. May you have a life of consistent victory. Amen. May you live a life of consistent success. Amen. May you never see shame in your life. A life of consistent victory, success, and glory is a product of good and wise decisions. All things being equal. A decision that every day you are going to spend 15 minutes with God in prayer can change the quality of your life. A decision that in the month ahead, I will never miss a service unless I am bound by duty can change your spiritual life. Can somebody give me an amen? A decision to be planted in a church where the word of God is taught precept upon precept and love, loving relationships are established is one decision that can change your life for good. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. A life of consistent success, victory and glory is a product of good and wise decisions. And obviously, the opposite will also be the same. Five, a life of defeat Failure and shame is a product of bad decisions, all things being equal. See where this gentleman started from. Started. From his father's house. One decision after the other. Moving from a life of honor to a life of... Do you know what it means to desire the food offered to pigs? One, as a Jew, you are not supposed to interact. In fact, where, they even, where there's a pig pen, you are not supposed to be found there. As a Jew, you don't go there. But to now go there and feed them and now desire that what they are eating, you will eat. That's, that, you see, when his father came, when he came back, do you remember what the father said? He said, this my son was what? Dead! Because that was what it was actually to a Jewish person. By the time you can descend to this level, you are a walking corpse. May everyone dead amongst us spiritually come alive today. This is what usually most people don't like. Decisions are costly. Someone say decisions are costly. Oh, decisions are costly. They will cost you something. Decisions are costly. If you decide that you are going to have peace in your home, it will cost you something. It will cost you what? It will cost you something. It will cost you something. If you decide you are going to build your house this year, it will cost you something. If you decide you are going to start your own business, it will cost you something. Decisions will always cost you something. Decisions are not cheap. He said, which of you intending to build a tower? Sit and not down first and count the cost. And hear me, it's, I'm not just talking about bad decisions. Good decisions are as costly as bad decisions. Every decision you make will cost you something. Every decision will cost you. Make a decision that you're, you're, you're going to make your marriage last. No matter what, it will cost you a number of things. Make a decision that once your wife is troubling, you are also going to trouble her. It will cost you a lot. By all means. Decisions cost. Every decision you make will cost you something. Good decisions come at a cost. Likewise, bad decisions. But you know what? I think the wise can always choose to go for the cost of good decisions, knowing that ultimately good decisions also bring greater returns. Amen. 
When God decided that he wanted to save humanity, you know how much it cost him? The life of his only begotten son. When the prodigal son decided, no, I don't, I want to be free. How come I'm under my father's bondage, tormenting? I'm not free. I'm not able to do whatever I want to. When I go out, I need to return at a certain time. I'm not able to do the things I want. I'm not able to watch the movies I want to watch. I want to be free. So he decided to go. When he left, maybe at the airport, at the bus station, and he journeyed, it looked like I'm free forever. Later on, when hunger came, he realized that he was in serious bondage. When everything he had was gone, he realized, the Bible said, he began to be in want. The man who was once free was now in bondage because he could not decide what to eat. Decisions are costly. One day, a man by the name of Moses, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 to 26, the Bible says by faith, Hebrews eleven twenty-three to 26, by faith, Moses, when he was born, this was hidden of his parents for three months because they saw he was a proper child. Give me the King James Version. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called, verse 24, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know what it means to refuse something? It's to decide against something. That's what it means. Go, go to verse 24. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was a costly decision. Because if you were Pharaoh's daughter, son of Pharaoh's daughter, at the time, you were an apparent heir to the throne of Egypt, which was more like the United States of today. But Moses said, no, I would rather go and suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Young lady, let me tell you, Today, if you want a man to buy you Mercedes, there are many men who can do it. Do it. Do it. They will meet you and within five minutes, a check of one billion Ghana CDs is issued and they don't feel it in any way. You can get it. You can get it cheaply. Listen, there are too many of them out there. Yeah. Yeah. Young man, if you want a sugar mommy, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. All you need to do is to say yes. I mean, you think that though they only existed in the time of Joseph, they are still around. A lot of them are still around today. But just like Joseph, you know, Joseph could have decided, wow, what a wonder. Ha, am I not the best? I'm the gentleman of Egypt. The best among all gentlemen. But the Bible says, Joseph refused. You saw where the decision to refuse took him to. For over two years, he was locked up in a prison of a crime he knew nothing about. He decided he wouldn't do what will bring dishonor and shame to the name of God. Amen. That's where he ended. Praise God. That's where he ended. But that was only for a short time. Any decision you have taken in order to honor God, any decision you have made in order to bring glory and honor to the name of God, God who is a rewarder will reward you. Amen. Can somebody give me a belief in amen? amen? A lot of people live their lives ajar. They don't want to pay any price. Jesus said, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and what? Follow me. We have a lot of people who want to follow God just as they are. They don't want to carry the cross. May you receive grace to carry the cross today. Amen. Can somebody give me a belief in amen? amen? 
No. Every decision costs. Somebody say every decision costs. A wise man said, everybody wants gold, but at a reduced price. Everybody wants gold. We want a golden marriage, want a golden business, want a golden car, want a golden uh, 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 golf clubs. But at a reduced cost. Decisions are costly. Somebody say decisions are costly. Every decision you make in life has consequences. It has consequences. Every decision you make, good or bad. When the man decided, I'm going, he felt it was over, but it was not over. It was actually the beginning of things to come. A number of things were just about to come, but he had no idea of them. He didn't know it would reduce him to the level of desiring the food of pigs. Every decision. The easiest way to destroy your chances in life is to live your life to chance. That's the easiest way to destroy your chances in life. Live your life to chance. Let things go as they are. And you see that you virtually end up with nowhere. Because see, when you live your life to chance, people will always decide for you. Very important. So, we are saying that every decision comes with consequences. And now let's look at this. Number eight. The worst decision you can make in your life is a decision not to decide. Because with all the things I've said, you can quickly... Uh, because if you make a good decision, it will cost you. If you made a bad decision, it will cost you. So let me just be in a neutral position. How many of you think that it will be okay to be in a neutral position? Just be there and not... Because, I mean, if I make no decision, I have no responsibility. If I make no decision, I have no commitment whatsoever. But when you look at 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3 to 4, you see this. He said, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Verse 4. He says, if we say we will go, we will enter the city. The famine is in the city. And we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. Whichever way you go, therefore come. Praise God. So de- die by choosing to die. Not, don't die by people killing you. Praise God. That's what he said. So every decision you make has consequences. And so some people decide they won't make any decision at all. It's one way. There are people because they don't want to face accept responsibility. They won't make any decision at all. They, they won't commit themselves under any circumstance just to be free. I like this. And that's where I am actually coming to. The consequences of some bad decisions are irreversible. There are certain decisions, if you don't make them today, if you don't make them in this life, you cannot make them again. There are certain decisions. Like for instance, if you are 40 now and you want to now go into the army, you have gone past the age. Praise God. A decision to be a soldier must start with you around 18, 17. So that at least by 20 or so, you are a recruited. But the moment you hit 40, 45, that's actually the age some people retire from the army. So what are you coming to do? You want to come and die on us 
as a recruit or what? No, they won't. <laughs> because by the time they drill you, you go to Asuchari and come back. You, you may not even come back. They'll bring your cops. Praise God. So, there are decisions that are reversible. Others are not reversible. A decision to marry. Don't make it lightly. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> Ken, why not talk about this? <laughs> Look at what the Bible said. John chapter 3 verse 16. Because he doesn't want to marry, he's a conscious type. Your type is not the type I'm talking about. In fact, your type is like the, the lepers at the uh, gates. Sitting there. Look at what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish. But have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Look at verse 18. He says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. You should say an amen. amen. Because for some time now, I've been teaching on salvation. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not on him is condemned already. Why? Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. That's a decision. It's a decision to hear about Christ and to choose not to accept him. And to think that when you die, all things will be okay. No, it doesn't work like that. When you come to the book of Luke chapter 16 verse 22 to 31, we see a man who had an opportunity in his lifetime, but he ignored it. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Verse 23, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Follow this. He says, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus. Look at where he's pleading for mercy. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Now look at this man. You, Lazarus, in your lifetime, if you're looking for somebody to send, it's not Lazarus. Because he was afflicted with sores all around him. How will you send a man full of sores? But now Lazarus is healed and restored. You want to, him to become your errand boy. Now, look at what the Bible says. Verse number 25. But Abraham said, remember that in your lifetime. Somebody say, in your lifetime. In your lifetime. In your lifetime. Certain decisions are best made in your lifetime. There are certain decisions, let me tell you, they are best made in your youth. The Bible said, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. When you make that decision at 70, you've made it anyway, but you can't be much useful to God. Very important. He said, in your lifetime, you receive good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted, and you are now tormented. Then he went on. He said, besides all these, there's a gap between us. And those who want to come cannot, those who are here cannot pass there. Verse 27, he says, 27, then he said, I beg you therefore that you will send him to my father's house. He was making good decisions. Can you see that he's making good decisions? One, all of a sudden he wants to be an evangelist. <laughs> Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He never did it. One, he didn't believe the gospel. Left alone, tell others about it. But when he died, he said, ah, oh, Abraham, 
if I cannot be saved, my family should be saved. They said it's too late. Every one of them is, I have five brothers that he may testify to them. Lest they come to this place of torment. Verse 29. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Praise God. What I, I said all of that to establish that, listen, in life, there are certain decisions that are irreversible. Once you make them, you have made them for good. One of them is a decision to put your faith in Christ. The decision to accept Jesus and make him your Lord. By Fakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Fakwa, please call 0540-122-670 or 0204-225-790 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Fakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services. 6.30 a.m. First service. 8.45 a.m. Second service. And on Wednesdays for our Word Encounter service at 6 o'clock p.m. At our church auditorium on the top floor of Nana Ama Ejakuma Plaza. Opposite the Unity Oil Station. Santasi Roundabout. Kumase, Ghana. God richly bless you. Oh!